Hello. <laughs> I'm Aurora Barry, and tonight's Bible reading comes from 1 John the chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. Love and hatred for fellow believers. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. And the truth is not in that person. But anyone who says, who obeys the word of the Lord. Oh, sorry. But anyone who obeys his word, loves love for God is truly in and made is truly made complete in that person. This is how we this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but this is an old one which you have had since the beginning. This old command is a message that you have heard. Yet I am writing it I am writing you a new command. It's the truth. It's the truth is seen in him and in you because the darkness is passing, the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates their brother and sister in is in the darkness and walks around and walks around the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks, Aurora. Well, good evening and welcome to church this evening. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. There's just a couple of things that uh, I'd like to cover. First up, uh, first and foremost, uh, Rus and Rixmay are with us this evening. So they're the missionaries that you saw on the video. Um, Rus and Rixmay come to our morning services. You guys have to get to know them. They are awesome people, so please have a chat to them after the service. Uh, what possibly wasn't clear uh, in the videos, uh, which I love the video, so don't think I'm criticising that, Rus and Rixmay are actually going to Cambodia and uh, we as a church are going to actually sponsor them and promote them to do that. And uh, so if you'd like to have a chat to them about uh, God's call upon their life and what he's been doing, it'd be great for you to talk to them after the service. Uh, something else I also have to mention, um, there's people who are rostered on to lock up and some of these people have responsibilities after church. So if we could make sure that we leave the church at a reasonable hour, that would be awesome. And uh, so I'm just going to say lights out at 7.30 and if it's just after after that, that's okay. But if you want to continue conversations and things like that, leave the church auditorium, do it out the front or do it in someone's house or at McDonald's or whatever. So uh, if we can just be considerate to the, towards those who are locking up, that would be absolutely fantastic. Thank you. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. And um, as we've read this, this, this passage of John, I hope we realise uh, and remember that John is passing on his first-hand experience and knowledge so that we can be confident about our faith. That's his desire for us, that we are confident in our relationship with God. And so tonight is no different with John wanting us to know and be assured of our salvation. And remember that John has emphasised to us 
the very nature of God, that God deals in truth and reality. Because of his righteous, holy, honest and pure nature, he's incapable of doing anything else. It's the only way that God can function. And last week, John told us that God is light and that we as followers of God should walk in the light of God and what he says. We are reminded that anything outside of that is to walk in the darkness. So it's possible for us to walk away from the light and to dwell in that darkness. And when we do walk in the light, we have fellowship with God. And while we continue in the light of the, um, in, in walking in that light, the blood of Jesus' sacrifice continues to cleanse us from our sins. And walking in the light allows us to see those sins for what they really are. And if we're truly following Jesus, our desire then will be to deal with that sin and to confess that sin and repent of that, turn away from it. And this is a contrast or a constant tension for us, I suppose, when we want to live for Jesus and yet we find that we're still fighting sin. It's that now and not yet thing. We will not know true release from our sin until we're standing in glory in God's very presence. And I think a question that perhaps all of us have asked or the vast majority of Christians, how can I know that I am saved? Or how can I really know God? And John wants to address these questions. He wants all believers to know the joy of being totally forgiven, the peace of being assured of our eternal future and the comfort of knowing God personally. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for this service so far. Thank you so much for the awesome job the worship team did this evening. Thank you for um, just how great it was to sing praises and glory to you. Thank you for the others that were involved in the service too, Lord. For Jared and Chanel and Aurora, I thank you for their participation. Thank you for the word from Rus and Rixmay. Lord, we now want to focus on you. Please speak to us through power of Holy Spirit. Allow this word to transform us. Use it, Lord, to touch someone's life tonight, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we move through 1 John, we have to keep in mind that John is actually, he's written uh, the epistles, he's written these letters in order to correct um, false teaching. And so John's correction were about those Christians who, well, those people who said they were Christians, and yet they continued to walk in darkness, they continued to sin. And in this chapter of scripture, he's actually dealing with the same group of people. And these are people who say that they know God, but because they know God, they believe that they don't have to keep Jesus' commands or God's commands. And so uh, John wants to correct that and he wants to deal with that. So first up, John says that obedience proves our salvation. And John doesn't want believers to be constantly wondering about their faith, constantly wondering if they are truly saved and whether they're going to spend eternity with God or not. He wants to provide assurance for them. As a part of our nature and need for confidence and assurance in order to move forward with anything. So I think so many people are held back because they're unsure of their faith in God. They're unsure of their future. They're unsure of if they are truly believers. And if that's what John wants to do for us, if John wants to provide for us uh, that assurance, how much more does God want to do that for us? And I believe God does that through John. And so John begins with, 
By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Now in verse 3 and 4, John uses the word know four times. And so he wants us to know. God wants us to know something. But what is that? And I want you to think back to the reason that John actually wrote this letter. We've mentioned this before. He wrote these things to those of us who believe in the name of the Son of God, that we may know, that we may know that we have eternal life. He wants us to have that assurance. The whole purpose of this letter is so that we may know that we have eternal life. We don't need to worry or wonder if we are saved. John is telling us God wants us to be assured of our salvation. That's what this is all about. And John uses the word know 25 times in this letter. It's a word when used in the New Testament is not referring just to a knowledge of God, but to that intimate um, personal relationship that all believers can experience with God. And the first knowing in verse 3, in this one, is a present tense in the Greek. It means it is a progressive knowledge which grows through experience. It's something that is ongoing. So this verse could literally be translated, we are continually being able to know that we have come to know God. We are continually being able to know that we have come to know God. How can we possibly do that? And John says... By this, that's how we know, by this. The by this is referring to if we keep his commandments. Again, in the Greek, the word keep is in the present tense, meaning that this is about continual, regular or normal or a normal pattern of behaviour uh, for the believer. It puts to death the thinking that salvation is purely about an experience I had historically where I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Saviour. This is something that is ongoing each and every day. I have a role to play in that each and every day. So it's more than my conversion experience because a true conversion experience will light a fire that gives me a desire to obey God, to follow him, to serve him. And the word keep here literally means to look upon something and to guard it as your treasure. To look upon something and guard it as your treasure. I'm not sure about you, but the things I value the most, the things that I cherish... I protect them. I'm careful with them. I I take steps to ensure that they're kept safe. And this is what John is saying here. We should take similar steps in obeying Jesus if we say we're his followers. We should want to protect that. We should be careful with it. We should take all steps necessarily to preserve it. And so I want you to think about this. If at any time you have no interest or you don't believe you need to do what God says, you need to really pay attention to that. It's a red flag. It's a warning. And according to John, you're in dangerous place on very thin ice. We need to remember that John is only repeating what he has heard from Jesus. Why should that affect us? Well, John says, whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar. And the truth is not in him. When Pastor Darrell preached on this passage this morning, he said that 
John's getting a bit old and cantankerous and a bit blunt, and so he's like, if you don't do this, you're a liar. End of story. He's just over it all. So he's just laying things out the way it is. I'm not 100% sure. Maybe that is the case. But still, it's there, isn't it? If we don't keep his commandments, and yet we say we know Jesus, then we're lying. We're lying to ourselves and we're lying to others. But I suppose there's a word of warning here as well. Who keeps God's commandments 100%? Just as I thought, you're all wicked sinners, like me. And we know that we don't obey Jesus. We know that we don't do what we should do. As much as we desire to do it, we still stumble, we still fall. And so what's this all about? Well, John, he uses this plural word, commandments. So this one's the plural one here. And when he's referring to this plural word, um, what he's saying is sorry I'm totally lost here it does happen when, when I say that we're all sinners that doesn't excuse us from our sin it doesn't excuse us from the things that we do but we all commit sin and we can't say that we're perfect. So what John is referring to here is actually a consistency of life, an attitude of heart. What is your desire? What is it that you want to do? Do you value Jesus and desire to live for him in obedience to him? Is your face and heart constantly turning towards him and towards the things of God? That's the question that's here. So knowing God and keeping his commandments is about a consistency in our lives that is characterized by obedience. This side of glory will never reach sinless perfection. We'll never attain that. But our desire should always be to obey and follow him. When we mess up, we don't turn away from him. When we mess up, we come to him. We bow before him. We submit to him. We admit that we've done something wrong. We confess and repent. Just like he told us back in 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Another passage I forgot, sorry. The emphasis here is that having an assurance of salvation or being saved is impossible without obeying God. And John goes on to say that our obedience to that demonstrates our love of God as well. John goes from the negative in verse 4 to a positive in verse 5. Only when we obey Jesus can we claim to know him. And as I said, this doesn't mean that we obey him perfectly, but we should have a constant growing desire to obey him. We should accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour. And when we do that, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean we've gained perfection, but it should change us. Our desires, our values, our pursuits should all be in line with God's will and purposes. We're told in verse 5 that whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. John now says whoever keeps his word. This is not just specific commandments. This word is referring to the revelation of God's will in scripture. And again we have that word keep. We treasure God's word. When it says we keep his word, we treasure God's word. So if we are to be people who truly treasure God's word, what does that mean? It means we highly esteem that word. 
it means we will read it regularly because we see it as God's revelation to us. And we see it as a living word, a word that can transform us and change us and challenge us and draw us closer to God. And it means we accept the whole word, the positive and the negative, all these commands, all these precepts, everything that is contained within the Bible. Our responsibility is to obey all of it. We can't exclude any of it. That's what it's calling us to do. And when we keep his word, because he is our Lord and Saviour, we find ourselves obeying him. Not just when people can see. This is the test for you. Not just when people are watching on. What do you like in the privacy of your own home? What do you like when no one else can see? Do you continue to live for him? Do you still have a desire to obey him? And do you do that? Because it's when we're in private that our true nature is often revealed. And if we do obey him even in private, we know that God's love has taken root in our hearts. And we begin to love God and love mankind in practical ways. Our love of God is perfected, which literally means matured. It is something that is reaching maturity. And I'm sure if you really thought about it, all of you would agree, we do everything that we do either because we want to do it, because we have to do it, or because we need to do it. There's no other options. It's one of those three. And as a Christian, we should want to live in obedience to all God has said because we want to. Our lives have shifted from pleasing ourselves to pleasing him because of what he's done. We're told in 1 John 4.19, we love because he first loved us. The first sign of this love is living in obedience to God and his word. And it shows. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And the word here abide, the word abides here means to continue in and is the same as fellowship. And so, what, so what is being said here is that a person who says he has a relationship with God will have fellowship with him, which will result in him walking the way that Jesus walked. This isn't about walking on water or performing the other many miracles that Jesus performed. This is a lifestyle that reflects the everyday attitudes and actions that Jesus demonstrated to us while he walked this earth. How did he treat the poor? How did he treat the outcasts? How did he treat his enemies? Everyone that Jesus came in contact with, that is a way in which we should treat those that we come into contact with today. That is the walk and demonstration that we are to follow. And the main characteristics of Jesus' life while he walked this earth was unwavering obedience and submission to the Father. Our conduct and lifestyle should be the same. He also faith, was faithful to scripture. He was also moral. He was selfless. He was willing to serve. And again, all these attributes should be reflected in our lives and walk as we walk following him. And it was Jesus himself who calls us to a new commandment. And that new commandment is to love. If you'd like to think of it in these terms, John has provided one test for us uh, in, in if our hearts are seeking to obey God. 
We now come to a second test, if you like. Do we love other Christians? Do we love others? And John begins with, Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. This could be considered an old command as back in Deuteronomy 6.5 we are told to love the Lord with God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And also in Leviticus 19.18 we are told to love our neighbours as ourselves. So there seems to be a bit of a contradiction here in 1 John 2 where it says at the same time it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you which is true in him and in you because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. But this is not a contradiction. John has said it is not a new command but at the same time it is. This is a new commandment in him. So who is the him that is being referred to here? And the him is Jesus. It is Jesus. And John is telling us that if we want to see what love is about, look no further than the life of Jesus. Jesus' love is a love that was selfless, a love that was self-sacrificing, a love which loved the unlovable. And it's a new love. Because it's a love that knows no end. It's a love that knows no limits. And that's the love that we saw in the sacrificial death of Jesus. A death that he died for each one of us. And it says, the love in him and the love in you is true because this darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. This is at first personal. Before I knew Christ, I was just full of darkness. There was no light in me. There was nothing good about me. But when Jesus came, that was changed, that was transformed. And I now walk in the light, as we learnt last week. And each of us should be in the light, and his light reveals more and more to us. And when we truly live in obedience to Jesus, we'll obey his call and commission. And so his call is for us to shine our light to others. That's here. That's in our workplace, in our neighbourhoods, in our suburb, in our state, in our country, in our world. Pastor Darrell this morning spoke of some software thing which had the globe spinning. And it shows the lights that are in all the cities. And in reality, that's what this is about. You think about the time when the disciples first started proclaiming the gospel message. They started in Jerusalem. And the time was right for the message to spread to the known world at the time. And as they proclaimed the message, Christ's light spread further and further afield. We are part of that work. And some of us will go, like Ross and Rick's main. Some of us will stay. All of us are missionaries. We need to get that through our minds. Because we must live in obedience to the word that is before us. And we are called to go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. We don't need to fear because Jesus will be with us. He will empower and equip us to do such things. We just need that 30 seconds of bravery to start. But when we do that, when we're willing to say, Lord, use me in any way you can, his light will shine through us to those around us and ultimately his light will go to the whole world. But we have stuff to deal with 
Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. A professing Christian who has no love for other Christians is in darkness and he is walking in darkness. If he says he's a Christian and he's doing this, he's a liar. His lifestyle and actions are not indicative of a Christ follower and he will become progressively hardened to the things of God if he isn't already. And I want you to understand that doesn't mean that as Christians we have this incredible amount of grace and we never experience hostility or dislike or hate, which for some reason Christians won't say that word, towards others. But again, if you are walking in the light, the power of God will ultimately change that. And you will learn to forgive. You will learn to love. And you'll learn to forget those wrongs. And again, I'm not saying that particularly there's some heinous things that have happened to people. It takes them a long time to get over that. But it's all in God's time. But if we are walking in the light, ultimately that's what has to happen. I don't think there's anyone who's suffered more than the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet he forgave his greatest enemies. He forgave me. And he calls us to do the same. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for who you are. And Lord, we can't do this on our own. We can't love like you loved. And so I thank you that you've given us Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that it's the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. It's the same power that did that, Lord, that is in us. And so, Lord, I pray for each one of us that we will know without doubt our life with you. We will know that we are going to be with you eternally and that that will give us a confidence and an assurance in you, Lord, and that we will pray and ask for the strength and the power that we need in order to serve you as we should in order to honour you and obey you and submit fully to you. Father, for each of us, help us to take those steps that we need to do in order to draw closer to you and bring to mind those things we need to confess and repent of. In Jesus' name. Now, Lord, as we head into this week, again, I just pray for your presence and power. I pray your hand will be upon each and every person here. I pray, Lord, they'll have a desire and a hunger to read your word. I pray they'll see that word as living and that they'll take that message that you've given, they'll apply it to their lives, Lord, and their lives will be transformed as a result. Father, let us be truly salt and light in our workplaces, in our schools, in our universities, in our neighbourhoods this week. Let your light shine through us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.